Imagine. It's December 20th, 1843. You're in London. It's an ordinary wintry Wednesday. A cold drizzle falls from a slate gray sky. You drag yourself out of bed, tiptoeing over to the stove so as not to wake up your family, all of whom share the same room. After a weak cup of tea, using yesterday's tea leaves, you step outside into the street. Horse-drawn carriages, costermonger street carts, and foot traffic have turned the road into a quagmire. A dismaler day you couldn't imagine. You begin bracing yourself for the short tempers and grouchy dispositions you will no doubt encounter in your work as a foot messenger. As you take off down the street, you see a man coming towards you. He wears a cape, carries a book under his arm, and is crowned by a top hat. You lower your eyes and hunch your shoulders. Probably best, you think, for one such as yourself to stay out of his way, and if possible, to escape his notice. But as you pass by, you hear the man call out to you. I say, you there. One minute, will you? You stop, bracing yourself for whatever indignity is coming. You look up at the gentleman. He is fishing for something in his pocket. The man pulls out a coin and approaches you, takes your hand, and presses the shilling into your palm. The man looks directly into your eyes. Merry Christmas, he says. A very merry Christmas to you, my good man. The gentleman smiles, straightens up, and walks briskly off down the rainy street. You're surprised, to say the least. Merry, you think? That's an odd thing to say. As if I have anything to be merry about. But still, you've got a shilling. And that's something. You round the corner into the thoroughfare, making for your post by the courthouse. The shopkeepers are beginning to open. You've probably walked this road a thousand times over your life, and you know every cobblestone and clot of dirt by heart. But this morning, something seems different. You can't put your finger on it, but something has changed. Then you realize, it's the sound. Instead of a dismal, quiet shuffle, you hear calls of, Merry Christmas, and peals of laughter, and excited chatter. In every shop you pass, a clerk calls out, Merry Christmas. Here and there, someone is perched on a step or leaning against a wall, reading intently, each from the same little brown book with gold embossing. Small knots of people stand chatting excitedly in doorways, laughing and gesturing extravagantly. And most shocking of all, every minute or two, you notice some well-dressed person stopping to offer coins or food or a bottle of ale to a street urchin or a poor laborer. Then a young clerk steps out in front of a shop just across the street, carrying a large crate. He pulls a book from it, the same book you've seen being read all over the street. I've got him, he shouts, holding the book aloft. I've got one last crate of the new book by Charles Dickens, some of the last copies left in the city. Get them while you can. Pedestrians begin racing over to the shop, clamoring to buy the book. But even the voracious crowd is full of laughter, slaps on the back, and merry Christmases. The atmosphere is infectious, and you begin to feel your humdrum attitude melting away. Merry Christmas, you think. Merry Christmas indeed.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to the These Days podcast. Ben and Dwayne here. Hello. And uh, we are in the Winter Wonderland Mountain Lodge, and it's all decked out beautifully for Christmas. The 10-foot Christmas tree, train around uh, it. What? I have some news for you. What? Uh, The Winter Wonderland Mountain Lodge? Yes. We had some snow last week. You did? We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty well gone out there now. But, yeah, uh, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas pretty, for sure. That is pretty sweet. Yeah, I know. You know, this is it's beautiful in here, but uh, it'd be beautiful out there too, too if we had some snow. Maybe by the end of the podcast. Hey, maybe it'll be yeah. like the end of that movie White Christmas when they open up the yeah. doors and it's snowing. Yeah, I get to be Bing. But you know, um, when I came over here, uh, I thought maybe you'd be wanting to wear your sunglasses tonight, Ben. Why is that? Well, because I see I wrapped some presents last night and. And we got this uh, this wrap, this Christmas wrap that's got these sparkles all over it, and they're all over me. Like they're in my pants, they're in my hair, they're <laughs> everywhere now. So I thought maybe I'd come in looking like one of those angels that's just like the uh, light blitz that the shepherds saw in Bethlehem. You know? <laughs> that's the sound. That's the sound of the angel, the sparkly oh, angel, right there. Are you pretty sure that I'm not? I'm not sure they had bells, but anyway, <laughs> angel bells, and I don't know about them getting their wings either. But that's another story. I don't want to take anybody's Christmas away. But this podcast uh, should explain a lot about why we are so merry. On uh, this podcast, but that's especially right. at Christmas time, because we're pumped up for Christmas. And uh, if you think that's childish, well, uh, we would say, uh, well, what do you got against kids? So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Uh, but good. yeah, well, <clears throat> we are jazzed here in the lodge. I hope you are too. The smell of cider uh, and uh, peppermint and evergreen is in the halls, and it's Christmas time is here. And this is still theology for the people. And where, as Sayers says, uh, doctrine dances or doctrine is the drama. This story is the drama of all dramas. And uh, we hope that uh, you are experiencing some hope and some happiness in this season, especially this time of year and especially at Christmas time. And because we're talking about the incarnation of Jesus, a uh, little known fact, Christmas time is all about the birth of Jesus. So that's why we're doing it. It's like uh, what George Whitfield uh, said. We've said this all along this this season, uh, this uh, month of this season, uh, and that is that you know God became man so in Jesus so that. Uh, God and man could uh, experience happiness together again. So that's my paraphrase of George Whitfield anyway. That's great. But uh, why don't you lead us into the big idea of that fun cold open, Ben? Yeah. Uh, so that cold open uh, took place. On, we did our research. We did our research, folks. Oh, yes, we did. took yes, place yes, on yes. the day after the famous book by Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, came out in 1843. A book that reinvigorated Christmas and actually uh, sort of started off the Christmas jollies as we know them today. And created an entire network of movies upon movies upon movies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 Christmas as we think of it today really began in the Victorian era with largely with this book. And it not only did that, but it helped popularize the phrase Merry Christmas. That's Mm. part of why we chose it. Um, The phrase Merry Christmas has been around since, man forever since the 1500s right yeah uh, in fact the uh, the song we wish you a Merry Christmas comes from a comes from the 16th century in the 1500s uh, but uh, it was more popularized in the modern era 
uh, with this uh, this book, the uh, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, because before that, the word Mary meant something a little bit different, just just ever so slightly different. Um, Mary, the the word that we have in English, modern English, is uh, derived from the Old English. Here, we're going to do some etymology. I hope people are ready for this. Oh, yeah. Well, this is a sneak put, peek of the These Days in, Dictionary. Yeah, you better yeah. put that word. Uh, etymology means the uh, you know the history of a word. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the word we have, Mary, is derived from the old English, Mirich. <laughs> That's my best. I don't know. M-Y-R-I-G-E. I wish I was an old English scholar, is that but like I'm not. Welsh or something? And it, I don't know. <clears throat> it, uh, But it originally means pleasant or agreeable, like, yay, the, like the merry month of May, like, yeah. yay, merry Christmas. Uh, but then by the time we get to Charles Dickens's day, it means, so, it, it, it comes to describe an attitude that people might have, right? So by the time we get to, to our more modern understanding, it means jolly or cheerful or happy or playful. And so when we say Merry Christmas, uh, we, that's kind of what we mean, which is why in some places, especially in parts of England, the phrase Merry Christmas has been turned into Happy Christmas, mm. most notably by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Did they do that for our podcast? Just, yeah, just, that's yep. excellent. That's, they did it just for our podcast since that we're talking about happiness excellent. this season. Excellent. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II says Happy Christmas because it sort of means the same thing now. So when we say Merry Christmas, we're talking about happiness. Why should Christmas make us happy? Why can't it make us happy? In what way does it make us insanely lucky like we've been talking about? <laughs> so today, uh, and, and so this book, uh, Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, uh, help popularize this this uh, phrase Merry Christmas but, but also the idea of of being a person who sort of spreads that cheer that was not really a thought you know today we have movies like Elf the best way to spread, spread Christmas cheer is do you know it I do not know singing that loud for all to hear oh really yeah that's your, yeah. that's how it goes in the movie okay. so uh, today we have things like that and this idea of spreading Christmas cheer spreading happiness really began in the 19th century with Charles Dickens a picture of Will Ferrell stuck in my head <laughs> <laughs> Will Ferrell <laughs> playing Ebenezer Scrooge yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway so uh, so yeah that's kind of why we did that cold open because today we want to think about what what merry making or or the merry making wonder of Christmas is really all about and and uh, what, what does it, basically we're going to ask, what difference does it make in the world if we live with that merrymaking sense of wonder that comes to us at Christmas time? And uh, we're going to jump right back into Luke 2, the Christmas story. And just like we've done the last couple of weeks, we're going to highlight very specific phrases. So we've already done uh, the sort of part, part of this before, but the angels, right, appear to the yep. shepherds, uh, tell them not to be afraid. Uh, there's good news of great joy. And then they say this. The angels are talking. They say, this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels had departed from, uh, from them and in, gone into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And they, uh, when they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child and all who heard it were 
amazed, that's an important phrase, amazed about the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. We're going to look at that as well. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God. We're going to look at that, what that means for all they had heard and seen, which was just as had been told to them. So we're actually going to take a look at this story and see how this is actually the source of our merrymaking and our spreading of Christmas cheer and why we have uh, why we have the opportunity and the potential to have a truly merry Christmas. Yes. Well, and that's that first <clears throat> of all, we want to sort of give you a little historical setup. Uh, I have been fascinated uh, or amazed as the uh, shepherds were, it says they were, or the people were amazed uh, by this section of uh, Luke's document known as the Book of Luke. Ever since I was five years old, Ben, I don't think I told you this story either. No way. I had my first... Was Charles Dickens alive back then? Uh, No. Oh, okay. But I was, and I had uh, my first public speaking, my first Christmas piece at five years old. They call it a piece. I guess it was like giving somebody a piece of your mind. I don't know. But it was a Christmas program, and I had my piece. And at five years old, get this, five years old, I memorized... Luke 2, 1 to 20. Well done. Yeah. I mean, Strong that, work. We're talking prodigy level stuff right there. I mean, I mean, it was good enough that my mom created this really, I thought it was beautiful then, but as I looked at it later, it was pretty funny, uh, plaid wool sport coat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very I think Christmas-y. I had one of those at one point. Yeah. In fact, I was I was grabbing onto it really tightly uh, on the hem of it because it was so I was so nervous. But I got through it and I didn't, I don't think I missed any words, but... If you go back to the beginning, uh, what always fascinated me is the historical nature of this. Luke mentions a guy named Quirinius, uh, who is the the governor. And so basically what Luke is doing by that is, and I'm trying to put this at a point in history, we know now that there was a census that made people like Joseph have to go to his home uh, town of his ancestry, which is you know Bethlehem. Uh, and there were two censuses that Quirinius took. We don't know which one it was, and, and, and or it was kind of uh, in between because it took you know fourteen years to take some of those censuses. But the is reality the, is the plural of census sensi. Sen- <laughs> it is in our dictionary. That's nice. right. I like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. But the other one is about uh, this guy named Augustus. He was he was the second famous Caesar. Uh, second Caesar, really, because Julius Caesar was the first Caesar. That's the German kid from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? No, okay. no, no. But Augustus uh, was, was uh, the the great Caesar. He ruled like fifty years, but he he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. That's how they did in those days. They didn't like their own kids, so they adopted uh, somebody in who could take over everything. And uh, this announcement reveals, what Luke is trying to reveal here is this is real-time up-to-dateness of the Christmas uh, message that this actually happened at that time. So uh, that, that, that's the point. But what's interesting is, is so on one end of the empire, you've got this little baby born that nobody knows about except all of a sudden the skies explode and there's this big announcement and it starts the, the uh, transformation of the world. But on the other end of the empire, uh, not that too distant uh, uh, before, you know, whatever, I think Augustus came to power uh, when he was like 20 years old or something like that. Um, Man, so, I haven't done anything with my life. No. <laughs> he ruled an empire in 20. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, he had to kill a whole bunch of people to do it. So let's not go there. That's not a Christmas story. But, but the thing is, is that Augustus, when he was born, was called son of God. 
across the empire. It was, it was called Lord. He was called the Savior of the world and all the revealing things. And yet, the contra- think of the contrast of that to the true Savior of the world that was born there in Bethlehem. And another contrast that just kind of makes you smile and, and brings some merry to our hearts is these shepherds, right? They were probably the epitome of this poor in spirit thing we talked about earlier in the um, uh, season here, uh, or, you know, mourning or hunger and thirsting. I mean, they they weren't exactly considered a trustworthy lot. Like, they couldn't give testimony in court. They didn't make that much. Uh, they were considered sort of flea-bitten from hanging out with the sheep all the time. Uh, and so... You know, it was sort of like there was a country song uh, at that time that says, Mama, don't let your little boys grow up to be shepherds. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the case. Yeah, for sure, yeah, for yeah, sure. But, but, you know, what, what, what we're talking about here is they were blessed with this announcement first. In other words, they were insanely lucky. That's what they would have thought, probably. Uh, listen, listen to this, how, how it goes. Let me see, read it for you again. When the angels had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem. And when they had seen him, they made known the statement uh, which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. So that, that's, that's sort of New Testament language, this business of, of amazement. It means wonder, of course, but it also means merry, because as we're going to see, that made them merry. And, and um, you know, th- think about uh, the, the wonder and the amazing things that we see today. I mean, we just, we, just in the last couple of weeks, we've been he- heard that there's a COVID vaccine coming out. In fact, there's two of them coming out. And that th- th- we were told that it could never happen this fast and so forth and so on. I, I heard somebody the other day compare it to the moon landing because in 1962, Kennedy said, we're going to the moon by the end of the decade. And if you've ever seen the uh, television um, uh, series on Disney Plus called uh, The Right Stuff, uh, when that when Kennedy made that uh, statement, he didn't consult NASA or anything. He just said, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so it pretty well freaked them all out. But by 1969, sure enough, we're on the moon. But I mean, all these w- wondrous, amazing things. Now, imagine if, uh, you know, if, if that's amazing to you, what do you think would be going inside your uh, mind and coming out of your mouth if you discovered that God had come to planet Earth or even the possibility or you were one of these shepherds who, you know, you're worldly wise, you know, things like this aren't supposed to happen. And all of a sudden these angels uh, show up and then you go to Bethlehem and it's exactly the way they say it's going to be. There's just a real feel to this. And you know, so, yeah, it, uh, we uh, can be sure that uh, the amazement of those days uh, outweighed the amazement even of our time in our day. And yet that's what still rings down through the history and down through every single celebration of uh, Christmas that we have. And that's a major factor in why we have all this merrymaking. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so we have that kind of that merry, merrymaking wonder, the whoa, can you believe yeah. it? Whoa. Uh, and then there's another I kind of... I think the shepherds said that, actually. Yeah. I think that's whoa, in that dude, whoa, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, and, but there's another kind of wonder and, and, and joy, happiness that appears in verse 19 when it says, Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So this idea of treasuring and pondering. And and there's this idea that she sort of slowed down. It was a more it was a quieter sense of wonder, 
And uh, she had this this uh, this sort of way of mulling over what was going on and the truth of what was happening in front of her. And you get the sense, did she know, you know, Mary, did you know? <laughs> did she have a sense of who her son would be when he was just born? And uh, surely, surely that wasn't, she was not in an easy situation, right? She was a uh, long way from home, long way from her family, alone with just her husband, and uh, it's in a in a uh, stall in in a in just like a place for animals, right? Giving birth, and uh, there was already danger. There was already fear. There was already aloneness. All this stuff going on. But she was pondering. She was treasuring. And you get the sense uh, of maybe like Hebrews twelve when it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. This idea that uh, he he was in a challenging, painful spot, but he contemplated the joy that was set before him, the joy that was coming. And the same thing, Mary, she's not in a pleasant circumstance, right? Nobody wants to have their, their first baby <laughs> under these circumstances. No. But she's contemplating the joy set before her, the joy set before her through this thing that is happening. And it's you, you get this sense of slowing down, taking notice, quietly uh, having that merrymaking. In fact, I think a little bit of, uh, there's this, sort of this joke among my siblings and I. You know, growing up, six of us around the dinner table, we all had our specific spots, and you'd be eating. And every once in a while, you would look up, and you would see my mother across the table <laughs> Quietly chewing her food and just smiling at you, just <laughs> quietly smiling at you, and you know you're like, what? "Why are you staring at me? Stop staring at me! Why are you?" And she she would just say, "I just like looking at my well, kids." Well, in your case, there's a bit of a miracle to that, <laughs> you know, because you were almost born in a cave. <laughs> That's true. I know because I hit this giant pothole on the way to the hospital that was looked like a cave. I know. I couldn't see it. I've heard this one so many times. Oh and man! Had all the jokes of that explains a lot, Ben. <laughs> but I uh, didn't go there but I, but when we were eating dinner around the family dinner table we just look up see my mom quietly yeah. just pondering and treasuring up uh, yes. her, their time with her kids i think that's exactly and there right. was there that's was lots on. of joy in that um not saying we should all be staring at each other with smiles on our faces all the time but there's that sense of quietly treasuring and storing up and uh and so as as uh, as Mary is sort of like pondering this. She's she's sort of getting a sense that uh, her story is connected to a larger story, right? That something is going on that's bigger. She's taking note note of of sort of she's pulling back a little bit, stepping back, panning the camera back, seeing a bigger picture, which is actually sort of where happiness comes from. Seeing our story connected to a greater story. Viktor Frankl puts it this way: He says, "Happiness is the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself." or is the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. So saying, when we lose ourselves in something bigger and we see ourselves in the context of something bigger, uh, that's actually where happiness begins to happen. So that's sort of what Mary is doing here. She's sensing the whole story. She's taking note of what's going on. She's pondering and treasuring it up. And uh, it's this this quiet, slow-down sort of uh, sort of uh, happiness or merrymaking, right? It's not the the uh, raucous jump around kind of stuff, but it's more quiet, subtle. Um, but that's true merrymaking too. 
That's true merrymaking too. And I I love that you put a reference to The Crown season yes. three in here. This is I can't the, believe I'm referencing Netflix. But. I know this is I think the greatest episode of TV that has come out in the last year or I two think years. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is from season three, not the newest season in The Crown, but Prince Philip sort of having a midlife crisis and watching the moon landings and thinking I never did anything great like that, and I want to meet the guys that did it. And simultaneously, there's this. Uh, pastor's retreat being set up on his land where these pastors can come totally burnt out, sit in a circle and talk and connect to each other, connect to God and sort of get refreshed. Which and he totally doesn't get. He totally doesn't get it. He he mocks them to their face. Uh, but then he starts to discover actually that they're, they're onto something through their quiet, just slow, contemplating, pausing their lives, looking for meaning under the surface, that pondering and that treasuring. They're actually onto something, and they're finding something really uh, powerful, full of joy, uh, which is totally different than what he was seeking, which is greater achievement, more status, whatever. Uh, so in the end of the episode, I don't want to ruin it for you, but he, he comes around. Yeah, uh, well, he, yeah. He, he asks for help, man. I, yeah. I don't know if he actually, I don't know if any of that actually happened. But it makes for some good TV. Yeah, that's a that's a great episode of TV. Uh, anyway, so this this uh, this treasuring, this pondering, and it takes this time, and and I think uh, that's a big thing for us. We want to take time. In fact, um, uh, uh, Portland pastor John Mark Comer recently wrote a book called "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry," based on something that the late great Dallas Willard, who you've heard us bring up a bunch, said to another guy named John Ortberg. Uh, and it's sort of an apocryphal story where John Ortberg asked Dallas Willard, "What's the? What do I need to do? I, my life is crazy. What do I need to do to really seek God?" And Dallas Willard said, "Well, uh, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life." And uh, John Ortberg kind of paused for a second, and goes, "Okay, great, cool. I think I got that one. Got that written down. I got it. What else? I'm ready to move on." And uh, Dallas Willard said, "There is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day." And the, the idea being that uh, if we pause and take note of what God is doing, if we ponder and treasure, then not only do we sense our place in the greater story, but that happiness begins to bubble up. Um, I, I like this. Uh, as, we, as we focus on the presence of God, uh, there, here's a great uh, statement about that from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. How'd you learn how to pronounce that? Very good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who also, it's a hard one to say, so you get it. I know. He yeah. also wrote a, a really great prayer, if you want to look it up someday, about the slow work of God. But anyway, he says this. He says, joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. So as we contemplate the presence of God, we, we contemplate our place in Him and in His story, joy, happiness... Merrymaking begins to bubble up in a very quiet, subtle way over time. Or this is a great quote by James Houston, whom we also love on this podcast. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, the, he says, God delights in himself. Happiness is his, is his essential nature. He is therefore the ground and source of all goodness and happiness. And then he says this, Christians throughout the ages have said that by contemplating the Trinity, that's pondering and treasuring, tre- Con- sorry, pondering, pondering and, and treasuring God by contemplating the Trinity, they have found the ultimate essence, expression, and exercise of happiness. And that reminds me, sometimes I think of uh, what what my mind is doing. Our minds can wear us out. Have you noticed that? 
Uh, I I come mm-hmm. from a, a family that shall not be named that, <laughs> that always has a lot that always has a lot going on in our brains. We always got the facts and the the newest news articles, and we're always we're all very active and yeah. we're doing all kinds of stuff. And there's always different people talking and boom 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 boom. That reminds and, me, Ben. Did you know they discovered another planet? Oh yes, I did. I did. Okay, I saw that in the family text thread. That was right, pretty good, cool. Good, yeah, 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 yeah. And always, you know, another thing on the to do list and go go go, which is fun. We were very uh, active minded family uh but occasionally that means that our brains are just like buzzing all the time so uh one one thing i've thought over the years is oh you know what i'm gonna i i'm i'm gonna rest my mind on jesus so this pondering this treasure treasuring is just about taking a moment to rest our minds on jesus to contemplate who he is what he's up to what he's doing to contemplate his presence with us just take a moment from all the anxieties and stressors and all the fun facts and figures and all the things we're thinking about and all the cool things and the and the stressful things to just pause and rest our minds on Jesus that's sort of that pondering that treasuring that then is is the merrymaking that brings that uh that uh happiness to life in us and I'll say this this I'll end this section then you can start your section uh-huh. uh the, the I will say this that the Bible I have noticed lately is full of commands to be joyful and I think what it means is exactly what we're talking about make merry make merry practice celebration and not just the raucous wild celebration but also this quiet contemplating that bubbles up the joy of what we have in Christ and uh, and it's it's not only something we get to do; it's a command that we we are told: make merry, practice joy, be rejoice, be joyful. Uh, and and these are things that we can practice in various ways. Yeah, I think Mary is such an example to us. In fact, I can hear not only everybody here in listening to us in the lodge, but uh, our entire podcast audience is probably going. Ah, you mean I don't have to go at that frenetic pace anymore? And uh, I need to be reminded of that all the time. Uh, but there is one more example in this story of the merrymaking, and that's the shepherds again. As they are there leaving town, I get this picture of a... It, it implies it. It doesn't exactly say it this way. Luke doesn't say it this way, but implies like there's a parade of people just walking out of town with them going, Woohoo! Yeah! Wow! I can't believe this! God's amazing! Kind of stuff. And uh, what's interesting is Luke uses this kind of phraseology elsewhere. Like he, he uses it in Acts 3, because uh, he wrote Acts also about the paralytic who could finally walk when he was jumping and leaping and praising God. And uh, whenever a heart is lifted up into pure joy, uh, it's inappropriate to call it uh, glorifying and praising God. And so it's, it's apparently true that this kind of happiness is the natural result of finding that God is with you and that he's working in your life. And uh, it's a response to finding out that you're on the resilient way of Jesus. And so look at this again one more time. Uh, on the night, the, uh, that night in Bethlehem, verse 20, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as it had been told to them. So, uh, you know, they had actually been there to see it and heard it. We can hear it still to this day through their testimony. We can, uh, we can have it told to us again through this testimony. But think about what they're, they're responding to. Uh, there's no other time in history when it's been reported a multitude of angels that were seen on this planet. Uh, even today, you know, people talk about angels, but nobody's claiming that. I mean, and then they say, hey, there's this sign that turns out to be exactly as the angel said, and Bethlehem is exactly the scene portrayed here in realism. 
And uh, someone who reported all this uh, had actually been there, uh, just like the shepherds. In fact, this is kind of Luke's I just approach. like to what? imagine the shepherds way out uh, in the fields late at night. It's very dark. One angel shows up and they're like, oh my gosh. Okay, okay, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And then all of a sudden there's like 40,000. Oh my gosh. Oh man, there would be some good movie making there if anybody just had the guts. But um, <laughs> but that's exa- what's interesting is Apparently, somebody reported their that kind of reaction to them because it's clear the uh, when it says that they were afraid, it doesn't say oh they were afraid. It says they feared a great fear. In in the Greek language, just like the Hebrew language, when you load up the same word twice, it's not a typo. It's meant to say you've never seen fear like this before. That's kind of what they experienced. It apparently that's what was reported to Luke. He he starts his entire book or his entire uh, document saying why he wrote it. And let me just read that to you real quick. Since many have undertaken to compile an account of these things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So Luke is saying, I've already, I went around and checked this out. I've done my research and people have told me and their, their stories line up. It, it seemed fitting to me, have, uh, at me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in an orderly sequence, most excellent Theophilus. Now, there, there's another name, Ben. I know. I can't believe you didn't name me Cornelius or Theophilus. We could have we could have called you Theo for short. I know. It's better than Phyllis. So, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, Theophilus. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> my word. <laughs> uh, so, I, so we, did, we digress like, on the, the podcast. <laughs> what? I'm so confused. <laughs> Okay, let me start that again. Okay, so in uh, in order orderly sequence, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about things that you have been taught. So, you know, it's not just a matter of reporting. It's a matter of this is good news of great joy, exactly like the angels said, and exactly as Ben said, that there are these commands. It, 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 was, it was something that said, you know, if, if you really understand what's happening now, you will want to uh, kind of throw yourself into the joy, into the merriment uh, of this. And the point is that it, it, there is compelling, motivating meaning in life to be found in encountering what is beyond us, but most specifically, who is beyond us, uh, but is no longer beyond us because he's with us here, and finding out that I'm a part of something much greater, much bigger, uh, and, and it gives my life meaning to know, and it gives your life meaning to know that there is something, uh, there, is a, there is a new uh, kingdom here in town of which it means you and I have meaning for our lives beyond what our four walls of our house describe or what we think uh, we should have done with our lives or what we should be doing with our lives or, you know, will I ever amount to anything? All of that goes by the wayside and out the window because the answer is, yes, you have incredible meaning because this one has come for you. I mean, it, it it's no wonder that these shepherds and everybody in this story is so pumped up uh, in fact, I love uh, what G.K. Chesterton says in Orthodoxy. I'm, I'm going to uh, quote Chesterton this time, Ben. Hey, he's my guy. Uh, no, but Merry Christmas to me. But um, Orthodoxy is uh, one of his greatest books. Here, here's what he said. The Christian optimism is based on the fact that we do not fit into this world. 
The modern philosopher has told me again and again that I was in the right place and that I had still felt depressed even uh, in acquiescence. But I had a heart. So he's, he's kind of describing this image of, of how you know he had interacted with somebody. But I had heart that I was in the wrong place, and my soul sang for joy, like the bird in spring. In other words, there is something more. I'm not just stuck with this. Uh, the knowledge found out in illuminated forgotten chambers in the dark house of infancy. I knew now, I knew now why grass had always seemed to, to me as queer as the green beard of a giant. <laughs> I love <laughs> Chesterton's uh, metaphors. And why I could feel homesick at home. I suddenly, in other words, it's sort of like that desire thing we talked about before. I suddenly discovered why is it that I want something for my soul to sing, uh, so to speak. And, uh, and Chesterton is saying, I, I finally discovered it uh, in the coming of Jesus uh, into our world to, so that God could be with us. And that is very happy-making. That is very happy-making. Uh, I would even say merry-making, perhaps. Yes, very uh, good. <laughs> uh, so some takeaways. Takeaways. So um, there's this merry-making, this wonderment. Uh, and which which is it for you this Christmas? Um, is, it, is it time for you to just pause and be amazed, just recognize and wow, and really get that sense of wonder uh, at what Jesus has done? Uh, is pause. it? Is it <laughs> oh my word! You can't do that mid-sentence, man. What you didn't see, what you didn't see, is a my dad did a little visual joke that we had done earlier this evening. Uh, pause and like bear pause. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You put your pause on the table. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, pause. Look, you got to get the premium package so you can watch so you can watch online. the video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're gonna have so. to do that now. Oh dear. Okay. Anyway, uh, so uh, is it that amazement that like wow? Uh, is it that practice of pondering and treasuring, just mulling things over quietly over time and letting the joy begin to bubble up, or is it the glorifying and praising? Is have you really taken hold of the meaning of Christmas and it's time to practice the celebration? Maybe that's with other people. Maybe it's just dancing around your house to your favorite Christmas tunes. Uh, <laughs> And celebrating the fact that God is with us. I've never seen you do that, Ben. Uh, well, it I won't say it doesn't happen. Yes, I, yes, I won't it say does. it doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, and and um, because the gospel, right? The 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 beauty of the gospel means that all of those things are appropriate responses. And the truth is, Jesus has made each of us in different ways, and has made a, made us in whatever form uh, we are, uh, so that these different forms of wonder-making may come more naturally to us. And as we learn to live into however it is that we sort of uh, practice the joy, practice the happiness, practice the, the merry-making, which is, I think, important to note, right? It, it takes practice. We have to choose to practice these things, whereas these days we often think, well, it's, it's the job of that person or that media or that thing to make me happy, whereas really it's our job to take hold of the for the insanely lucky, right? Yeah. This insanely luckiness. It's our it's our job to really choose to embrace the happiness that God has provided for us, and uh, we all do that in different ways. That's why there are different examples of that here in this Christmas story. Uh, it's like Saint Catherine of Siena says, "Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire." Mm. And uh, if, if there's one thing the world needs right now, it's people who have let God in, the, in their own unique way bubble that joy up inside of them and are now spreading that, ma making merry in the world, right? Spreading that merry-making around. Um, because truly, think about this, 
In verse 14 of Luke chapter 2, right, what do the angels say? Good news of great joy for all people. Peace on earth to those on whom God's favor rests. Now, who are those Who are those on whom God's favor rests? Well, we just heard, great joy for all people. God's mm-hmm. favor has been poured out on humankind. God's goodwill, God's good desires, God's peace, God's favor rests and has been poured out on each one of us. And I think if we spend some time really taking that in, we'll be compelled to respond through that quiet contemplation, that sense of wonder and amazement, or maybe even through the practice of celebration. Yeah. So spend some time uh, maybe contemplating that or, or expressing your your uh, wonder and your merriment this Christmas. We, we uh, here at the podcast seriously pray for you that you would have exactly that kind of uh, Christmas uh, celebration with you and yours. Uh, and so we just want to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And I think it's that time, Ben. Is it Christmas time? N- well, no, no, not quite. But it's time for books, books and, and stuff. Books and stuff. You know what? I, I think it. You know, remember those old Mazda commercials where it goes zoom zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you should put the low hum of the uh, cold open behind that. And we just go books and stuff. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, is that why I just shouted it and you whispered it? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you. Cool. Okay. Yeah, go. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you got any books and stuff? Uh, yeah, I do. I have a couple of stuffs. Great. You stuff up. Do, stuff do, it up. Okay. Stuff. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, this year of all years, this is just. Uh, uh, this isn't your mother telling you or even your pastor telling you. It's just an encouragement to somehow at uh, this year of all years connect with your church in some way. Uh, if you're familiar with the church we're involved with, we've got a candlelight services. We've got four of them. But because of uh, the situation with the pandemic, we can only have 100 people in there at a time uh, and distant and masks on and all that kind of thing. But um, you know, what we've tried to do is put some home kits together so people can watch online with a live stream and uh, celebrate their candle lighting there and that sort of thing and still hear the music and and uh, the message and all of that sort of thing. And I'll bet wherever you are, your church probably has something uh, similar to that and just encourage you to connect in some way with that. Uh, but then I also want to say uh, we got one more weekend uh, for those of you who are uh, near here where we are doing this podcast. Or, or those uh, who aren't, right? What? Because the live stream or those who oh, aren't nearby. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's great. So here, here's the deal. This this uh, uh, show, the Chimes, this Dickens show, which is part of the inspiration for the, today's cold open, I suppose. Uh, but it's another Dickens story, really good. And and, and Ben uh, can't brag this up as much as I can because he happens to be in it. Uh, but it's a yeah. I'm uh, one of the cast members. <laughs> you are the cast member. But the <laughs> but uh, I saw it last weekend. It's really hopeful and really encouraging. And I. Uh, we're getting rave reviews on it. I uh, heard more people today uh, when I was over at the uh, lar- our larger staff meeting, and so I'm just saying that you might want to check it out. Uh, it's uh, th- let's see, we got three more nights, right? Fridays. What's that? Four more. Friday, four. Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. Uh, oh, Tuesday too. Okay, uh-huh. all right. And you can get tickets or you know sign up for your spot. We had we can only have fifty in on that one. But uh, sign up for your spot, or you can sign up to watch it online at OuterEastArtHouse.org. That's OuterEastArtHouse, 
org, And if you say that five times really fast, <laughs> you get a free show. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the live stream actually turned out really well. I was very oh, impressed. Oh, really good. Very impressed. Uh, good job, uh, Jaron. You know who yeah. you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, a couple quick books and stuff from me. First of all, just a stuff. Uh, if you've not seen The Man Who Invented Christmas, mm. uh, it's basically the story of Charles Dickens writing A Christmas Carol. It's uh, from the... Uh, you know, that was our cold open today. And to quote Eugene Peterson, who uh, wrote the Bible, I mean, sorry, translated the Bible, <laughs> who translated the Bible into the message version, uh, he says that Charles Dickens is the greatest Christian author in the English language, mm. apart from the Bible. Wow. So uh, and I think that's true. He, he gives us a sense of what it really means to live in light of the gospel uh, in real time. And that movie really portrays him uh, that way. It I, really does, yeah, and yeah. I think Christopher Plummer is the best Scrooge I've ever seen. I would agree, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Yeah, I love that movie, and uh, it's also just good. Uh, it, it, it's the sort of movie that turns you outward instead of inward, turns you outward towards your neighbor to help make merry in the world. And then uh, I'll finally just say, um, this has nothing to do with the podcast, Dad, oh. but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. I've been on this kick lately. Yeah. You know what my new my new reading kick is? What's that? This whole month I've been reading I didn't know this, but there is a sub theme in the in the genre of uh classic murder mysteries, like from the fifties and forties and stuff. Oh, really? There's a sub theme of Christmas mysteries. Really? And so there's some big famous ones like Hercule Poirot's Christmas uh by Agatha Christie or The Seven Tailors by Dorothy Sayers. That's a great oh, one. You yeah. should read that one. Well maybe uh, yeah. But I have been also reading all apparently there's like hundreds every mystery writer from the forties and fifties wrote of Christmas one. Really? Yes. They're all wow. like there's so many of them. So I've been reading a well, bunch of those. A lot of people have you know the between Christmas and New Year's off, they're gonna need something to read. That there you go. Yeah. You can yeah. read those. Oh excellent. So uh yeah. yeah, thanks for I think that's I think that's it. That's I a think wrap. yeah, I think that's a wrap here from the Winter Wonderland Mountain lodge here in the lounge did you hear that did you guys in the, did you guys in the lounge hear that was that your stomach no there's something like hit the roof oh it sounded like a thump like bum, 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 like a bunch of thumps you think it's snowing really big flakes i don't think so oh did you hear that those bells oh is Dad, it do you think that's oh, what i think it is i think it is oh santa hey hey, man, hey. hey. Right, that's great. Wow, Merry oh, Christmas. Well, that's awesome. Welcome. Cool. You must have been really good this year, Ben. This is early. I know, man. Well, man. he likes to get me out of the way first. Uh, you know? He probably putting those presents under your tree there. It probably means you can't open them till yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's a wrap. Hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Ben. And Merry uh, Christmas to you, Dad. The only thing I have to say after that is now bring us some figgy pudding, and we'll be going for now. <laughs> What is Vicky pudding? I don't know, but it sounds kind of weird, but I'd like to see what it is. 